This is Healthcare Strategies. Hello, and welcome to Healthcare Strategies. My name is Kelsey Waddell, and I am the Senior Editor of Healthpayer Intelligence and the Multimedia Manager for Extelligent Healthcare Media. Preventive care is fundamental to achieving positive patient outcomes in health and overall well-being. Services that fall under the preventive care umbrella include screenings, such as mammograms, routine vaccinations, counseling on topics like alcohol use and smoking cessation, and much more. Due to COVID-19, engaging patients in preventive care services has taken on an added layer of urgency. To get an overview of the situation, we have with us today my very own amazing coworker, Sarah Heath, Managing Editor at Extelligent Healthcare Media. Sarah has worked at Extelligent Healthcare Media for over six years now, with a particular focus on our patient engagement HIT site. Given her background, she has had the opportunity to talk to a lot of organizations and providers about their approaches to preventive care. So Sarah, I'm excited to hear about what you see emerging as the latest preventive care and patient engagement strategies. Thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. Yeah, of course. It's always fun to be able to talk about healthcare, especially with one of my favorite coworkers. Oh, <laughs> yeah. No, I, I actually think this is actually a really kind of interesting conversation for us to have as editors because on the health insurance side, which is what I mostly cover, we're always talking about financial incentives for preventive care. But it's interesting to hear more about the patient facing side of how do we get patients engaged in preventive services to begin with? So this is obviously important to a lot of stakeholders, and there's a big impact, obviously, on the most central stakeholder, which is the patient. But I'm wondering if, just to start out, I'm wondering if you could just share from a patient engagement standpoint, what are the trends that we've been seeing among patients when it comes to accessing preventive care services lately? Yeah. So, I mean, as early as October 2020, we had CDC data showing that four in 10 patients weren't able to access care because of those first few months of COVID. That was kind of confirming what everybody was fearing at the beginning of the outbreaks. Some follow-up studies from other organizations showed that there was a mix between providers were canceling, but patients were also canceling the appointments. What's getting a little bit more dicey now is that patients are still reporting care delays. And that's still either they're canceling their care or their provider is canceling their care. So on the provider side, you know, maybe that provider had to shut down non-urgent care or they have staffing issues. I know that is a huge, huge problem. The most recent months is that we have some staffing issues, but then there are still some patients who are a little bit worried that they might become infected with COVID when they visit a provider office. And so they're still a little bit reticent to go in for that in-person care. So what, what's kind of pushed the envelope, a lot of people thought this would happen, but now we're actually getting data is that there are some downstream consequences to this delayed care. So in February, 2022, the American Association for Cancer Research reported that an estimated 10 million cancer screenings were missed during the first few months of the pandemic. That organization also found that between March and December of 2020, the nation saw an 11% increase in patients diagnosed with inoperable or metastatic cancer compared to that same period in 2019. So, you know, put in kind of more plain English, 
these delays in cancer screening that happened right at the beginning of the COVID pandemic, they might have led to an increase in late stage cancer diagnosis. And that's often harder to treat and can have a worse outcome for patients. That's data from the very beginning of the pandemic. And we'll see what has happened in the years since COVID first broke out, but that's some preliminary information And, you know, to kind of add insult to injury, separate reports have found that patients still haven't really even caught up on their missed care. One report found that as many as 50% of younger patients, so that's people between ages 18 and 34, they still haven't caught up on their missed care. So that's really opening that door very wide for patient engagement or patient re-engagement to make sure that we can get caught up to where we're supposed to be. Mm. Wow. Yeah, that's very serious, serious implications to not being able to engage patients well if we can't get them into those preventive care visitations. So, and it's interesting because I imagine this is at a level that we may not have ever seen it at due to COVID and the entire system shut down. So there's probably a lot of unknowns still, I imagine, about how we effectively deal with this, especially again at this level. So taking that into account, but you've been talking to these experts for years, and I'd love to hear some of the stories that you've been covering about different organizations that have taken decisive action to address the issue and just what case studies stand out to you about how organizations are addressing preventive care services through patient engagement. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, you do bring up a really good point, too, that there's still a lot of unknowns. These are programs that organizations have only stood up for anywhere from a couple months to a couple years. So they don't have as much of an evidence base to say this is the gold standard in closing care gaps. But they have had to really think out of the box about how they can get their patients back in for really important services. Because as you pointed out, the scale of this problem is much larger than I think the industry has really dealt with in the past. So not necessarily in response to COVID, but I've noticed some organizations have had some luck with mobile health units. There are some mobile mammogram units that have been able to increase access to that particular preventive service. And it's been really effective because it's both community-based healthcare. So that's really good for patients who might have transportation barriers or just might not think to hop in for their mammogram. But if the unit is outside of their place of work, then maybe they think like, oh, this is very convenient. I'm just going to go in and get it because I know I haven't gotten one in a couple of years, that sort of thing. And a lot of these programs also help close the education gap around preventive care because I know there are a lot of questions around, well, how often do I really need that service in practice? How often do I truly need that service? And so by increasing the education, we can kind of compel more of that patient engagement. There was another pediatric medical group that I chatted with. They use automatic patient outreach. So like automated text messages or emails to address some of the care gaps that they saw. This was super important because the data shows that even kids had a lot of missed care during the pandemic and childhood wellness is really important for long-term development. So for this particular organization, they really wanted to make sure that they were getting kids in for their typical childhood vaccine schedule or making sure that they have kids coming in just to make sure that they're developing correctly. For this particular group, they were really excited to use the tool because it automatically sorted through patients who missed a certain milestone service. 
and it sent it out to families for whom it was applicable. So previously, this organization was going through patient files by hand. A human being was going through these patient files and trying to figure out where they had care gaps. And that was a good short-term solution, especially in those first few months of the pandemic when we really didn't know how long this was going to last and the extent to which care gaps would be opening up. But now that, as we mentioned before, this is a large-scale problem, having that automation has been really, really important. And then another organization in Georgia used a very similar outreach tool that not only automatically sorted through patients for particular and individualized care gaps that they might be experiencing, but it also had an outreach message to improve the patient education about the service that they were missing. So what service am I missing? Why is it important to get that service? And then to kind of tie it with a nice bow, there's a URL embedded directly in that message. So the patient can just click on it and schedule it digitally. And we know at least me as a bona fide millennial, I hate calling on the phone. So having that link to the online scheduling, this organization said really helped improve the care gaps that they were seeing. And then, you know, finally, of course, telehealth has been really helpful when it can be utilized, but, you know, for the sake of getting them inside the office for those services that really need to be in person, it's really important to communicate how safe your office is. There is still a notable contingent of patients who are worried about being infected with COVID at the clinic. So organizations, of course, have to adopt good patient safety protocols. So, you know, masking, disinfecting, remote waiting rooms, all of those different things. But they also need to make sure that patients know that those protocols are in place, believe that they will be effective and believe that they will then be safe when they go in for care. So some organizations, particularly that first summer of 2020, when they really wanted people to come back in for care, there were a lot of question marks about COVID. A lot of them used traditional marketing options. I heard about people using billboards and people using the local news, having one of their providers on the local news talking about everything they're doing to keep people safe. And that kind of closed the loop on all of the challenges that they were seeing, that patients didn't know what preventive services they were up for, and then they didn't know if they'd be safe if they accessed them. Yeah, definitely seems like they're getting the word out there. So, I mean, that was just great. Thank you. That was a lot of great information and great case studies. I guess the next step kind of is, so how do we take all of these different Case studies, a lot of organizations are just trying a lot of different things right now. And are there any overarching themes that we're identifying of things that are really working? To condense down those thoughts based on the stories you've heard and the experts you've talked to, what would you say are some of the key takeaways from these efforts and the strategies organizations are using? Yeah. So I think one of the first things is having an automated process. I would remiss not to acknowledge that an expensive health IT suite isn't in reach for every single organization, but providers who are able to invest in that, I think it would make this process a lot more efficient and it would cut down on any administrative burden associated with patient outreach. Um, So foremost, having that automated tool that helps you sift through patient data and identify care gaps. From there, you really want to have omnichannel patient engagement strategies. So having text message and email outreach is really important, but making sure that that outreach is available in multiple languages, making sure that, you know, if the patient really isn't engaging with those messages, 
that's maybe when you would have someone from your organization hop on the phone and call the patient so that they are getting the message and that they're able to book an appointment. So having an omnichannel way to engage with patients, supplementing all of that with patient education. So why are these preventive services important? How often should you be receiving these preventive services? What are the consequences if you don't access this preventive service? That's really important. And to kind of build off that patient education piece a little bit, there have been a few folks who have mentioned to me, not just patient health literacy, so that's making sure that your educational materials are written in accessible language that is understandable to people with about a sixth grade reading level. But in addition to that, you want to make sure that it's culturally competent. One provider gave me the example of vaccinations, not just the COVID-19 vaccine, but all childhood vaccinations that have had some debate around them, making sure that you sort of know your audience so that your audience continues to trust you is very important with that patient education. Then finally, kind of wrapping that all up with why your organization is a safe place to go helps kind of build more of that patient trust. Excellent. Thank you. This is going to be switching gears just a little bit, but I just have one last question for you. I know that preventive care has been used as a tool in advancing health equity, and it's become a pretty key point that we recognize that sometimes there's this gap with what populations are are receiving the preventive care that everybody needs. So could you talk a little bit about, just in our last couple minutes here, how healthcare organizations can be mindful of the overlap between preventive care and health equity? Mm -hmm. And I really appreciate that you just used the word overlap because I was thinking a lot of this is going to be applicable to any other initiative that an organization puts forward with regards to health equity. But, you know, preventive care is such an important place to start. One of the things that happened during COVID was organizations began measuring disparities everywhere that they already had data. So we found out that there were preventive care access disparities even before COVID now they're exacerbated. So, you know, as a part of a lot of organizations' overall health equity work, some providers have begun to examine how they can rethink patient access to care so that it's a reality for everyone. And that patient access to care, preventive care is a part of that. So one of the really important lessons that I've heard from providers is making sure that there is community-based care so that the person without transportation can get to medical care. The person who might not be able to take time off work to go across town to get their preventive care, but they could, you know, go down the street to your mobile health unit, they're able to access care. All of that more equitable access points are really, really important and they can improve access to any kind of care, including preventive care. I recognize that a lot of these community-based options might not always have the particular technologies or machinery required to conduct some of the preventive services, but they do create a good first step for connecting that patient to care. And from there, you can kind of coordinate and navigate the system hand in hand with the individual and make sure that there is a workable solution for any other types of preventive care that they need in a larger facility. And then, you know, the other half of that, that we've been talking a ton about the past two years is about generating trust. There's that trust gap between traditionally marginalized groups 
and, you know, this medical establishment that is out there. And a lot of organizations are beginning to lean on community messengers who can kind of bridge that trust gap. If your faith leader is talking about how important it is to get your blood pressure checked, you might begin to trust, oh, well, you know, if my faith leader is saying that, then maybe I will go to the doctor and I will, you know, let them check my blood pressure. A lot of the strategies that we saw with the COVID vaccine rollout, they're very applicable for creating care access for other types of services. So making sure that you're really leaning into a community that has trust among traditionally marginalized groups, that is a really important step for all types of care, including preventive care. Something that a lot of organizations, they haven't had the lead time to maybe begin creating this change. It might be one that is incremental, but I've heard a lot of organizations talk about diversifying the medical workforce. So, you know, that patient who needs to get their blood pressure checked, having their faith leader say, hey, you should go do this is great step one. A really important step two is having that person walk into their exam room and see, oh my gosh, my provider is the same race as me, or my provider is the same faith as me, or my provider comes from within my community. And we have that shared kinship. Again, this isn't something that a lot of organizations have had the time to invest in. It's gonna be incremental change that starts with medical education, but a lot of them are appreciating how important having a diversified medical workforce is. Yeah. Sure. Well, thank you, Sarah. It's always just such a joy to get to have you on the podcast. Oh, well, thank you, Kelsey. Listeners, we'd love to hear your thoughts about this episode. Feel free to reach out to me at kwadil at extelligentmedia.com. That's K-W-A-D-D-I-L-L at extelligentmedia.com to share your thoughts. You can also use that email to let us know if there are any health industry related questions or stories you would like us to consider covering. And if you liked this episode and it sparked some thoughts for you, please head over to Apple and give us a few stars and a positive review. Thank you for listening. This has been an Extelligent Healthcare Media production.